Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today's guest is Lori Christine King, LCK, somebody you may know from Instagram if you are a fitness uh, enthusiast or somebody who follows content creators, because that is her primary thing. She is a really, really great and consistent content creator in the fitness and nutrition world. She has also been a nutrition coach for years beyond that and has been featured on many other podcasts that you may be familiar with as well. She owns Paragon Training Method, which is an app that she runs with Brian Borstein, somebody who has been on the podcast before way back, I think once or twice, so he's a good friend of mine. Um, and today we're going to talk about all things women's health. So we're going to dive into health, hormones, fat loss, muscle growth, mindset, everything involved. It's honestly just a, a long, candid conversation. It's a very casual conversation between her and I, where we just dive into women's health and hormones specifically, because that is her niche and that is her uh, realm, so to speak, and what she creates a lot of content on. And I figured who better to come on the show and talk about women's health than LCK herself. So before we get into the show, a couple quick shout outs to the sponsors of this show. First and foremost, my company, of course, Tailored Coaching Method. So if you want your custom training and nutrition individualized to you to get help reaching your goals, visit tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash online coaching. Number two is Giant Lifting, our fitness equipment provider at the gym and for all of our members at Tailored Coaching Method. So if you want a 10% discount on everything they sell online, go to giantlifting.com and use the coupon code TCM10 to save 10% off. And last but not least, First Form, our supplement sponsor and who we choose to supplement our diets with in our family and our members. You can head to firstform.com slash tailored coaching method and get free shipping on your supplements today. All right, without any further ado, let's get into this conversation with the one and only LCK. All right, Lori, this has been a long time in the making. I'm excited for this because we were supposed to do this years ago, and then we've stayed in touch. Um, I watched you explode from afar, and it's been really, really cool to see your success and see you just keep doing more and more um, and just living a good life, you know, and, and putting out content that's actually information um, that people can use and do something with, you know, and actually do the right thing with. Um, so I'm excited to do this because then we can dive into some of your specialties, which is like women's health, you know, it's something I would say like I'm passionate about because easily 60 to 70% of the women or the people we work with are women. And I know a lot of listeners are, and I get a lot of questions and some of which you and I see eye to eye with, but I know that you will either a be able to describe it better than me and break it down or B you actually live it. And it's not a dude talking about girl shit. So it'll be <laughs> a little bit more, um, uh, easy for people to listen to and take as advice. So first and foremost, who is LCK in a nutshell? Give us the breakdown so the listeners know who you are and why you're on the podcast. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say uh, I love because that's like we've been orbiting for years. And I was actually thinking about before we got on the show, I was like, when did we actually meet? And it's like, right when I started working for like IM3 Nutrition. And then I was like, wow, I've had the glow up. I'm like hot now. I have like long blonde hair and uh, I'm way more fit looking. So like what a, also like how cool uh, just because I look so much different than when we when we very, very first met. But it's dope that we're still in touch and stuff like that. So thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Lori Christine King. Basically, the internet decided that was way too much of a mouthful. So I've been shortened and reduced to LCK. Um, so keep it short and sweet. But my whole backstory was I was a competitive athlete my whole life. 
competitive gymnast, uh, loved running things like track, long distance running, all that stuff. And so when I was 17 years old, I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And so here I was, you know, again, athlete my whole life, never struggled with my weight, never really had to struggle uh, and concern myself with, you know, how I was eating or stuff like that. And so, you know, here I was late in high school and I was struggling with my weight. I was sleeping upwards of 12 to 15 hours a day. I was actually starting to miss class because it was like, I was just so tired, so fatigued um, and just dealing with brain fog. Um, I actually have ADHD, but, you know, just struggling with concentration and all this stuff. And so uh, thankfully, you know, ended up seeing a doctor, got lab work done and instantly was like, oh, dang, you're, we're definitely not doing good in this department. So for those that aren't familiar, your thyroid's basically a gland in your neck that regulates everything from your sleep to your metabolism. So you can kind of think about it as like happy wife, happy life. Like if your thyroid's not doing well, everything else in life is probably broken. And so I started taking meds uh, for my thyroid, but I felt a little better, but like we still weren't back to feeling, you know, a hundred percent. And so, uh, granted I will give the disclaimer. It's like my parents live in, uh, the bumpuck middle of nowhere. So I'm from a super tiny college town. Uh, my parents actually retired. They're still there. Uh, so in the land of cornfields and where State Farm headquarters used to be uh, is, you know, where I grew up. And so with being a smaller town, you just don't have access to like great, you know, healthcare and at the best of doctors and stuff anyway. But, you know, ultimately here I was, I was struggling. I, you know, I got written this prescription. I still wasn't feeling well. And my doctor didn't really have any other solutions or recommendations other than like, hey, just take this thing. And so um, kind of right place, right time, you know, I was about to go off to college. And so it just made sense in my head where it was like, man, like if I, you know, if my doctor can't help me feel better, maybe that's my job to get down to the bottom of things. And how can I get more educated about my own health? How can I be the CEO of my own body um, and kind of go that route? And so um, my mom is a nurse. I knew I wanted to do something, you know, kind of in healthcare and, and wellness and stuff like that. But that being said, I'm not down with like the blood, the guts, the gore, all that stuff. And so it was like, let's do nutrition. Like that sounds a little bit better. And so ended up getting my bachelor's in food, nutrition, dietetics. Um, and unfortunately, I will say that that schooling that I received, uh, Illinois State actually used to be in one of the top 10 schools for nutrition. So here I was in one of the best programs out there. And, you know, we're learning like my food pyramid and outdated stuff from the 90s about like, oh, you should eat low fat diets and, uh, oh, you know, all this stuff. And so I also kind of had, you know, like a, a mini crisis in college because it was like, man, here I went to school because I wanted to like be empowered and get educated and get to the bottom of this, you know, help myself feel better, but also, you know, help others in my position, never be in my position. Instead, I'm getting handed all of this outdated stuff that, you know, clearly we know fast forward present day, so much of the stuff in the nineties, you know, isn't actually good nutrition advice or, or good wellness advice. And so, uh, God bless my parents because they were like, listen, like, just get the piece of paper. We'll, we'll figure it out later. And so uh, I actually got into coaching CrossFit immediately post-college because I had found CrossFit. It was my first introduction to strength training, you know, lifting heavy. And so as somebody, you know, it's like with hypothyroidism, it's like, like I said, I, I spent, it, it, you know, if I really 
back, you know, look backwards in time. It's like, I just turned 33, but it was like, I effectively spent my teenage years, most of my twenties, my late twenties at war with my body and, you know, not eating enough food because again, you know, it's like, well, if my thyroid doesn't work and I can't figure out, you know, how to get things better, you know, how is, you know, how am I supposed to be maintaining my weight and looking how I'm supposed to look and all that stuff. And so, um, you know, it's like I got into strength training because I was 92 pounds when I found CrossFit. It was my uh, junior or senior year of college. And so it shifted the focus for me of here is what my body can do rather than just hyper focusing on what it looks like. And so that was such a dramatic uh, shift. You know, I tell people that truly was life changing for me. And so, you know, it's like with strength training and getting into lifting and all that stuff, you know, it's here, it was at five, three and 92 pounds, you know, my body has actually been upwards of 138. Uh, when I was a competitive CrossFit athlete, you know, competing at regionals, um, and everywhere in between, you know, since then. And so, like I said, you know, just such a powerful shift. And so I had this aha moment of like, okay, you know, how do we have both of these worlds? Like, how do we have the nutrition side of things? And how do we actually figure out, you know, the habits that are effective for helping us feel good and have good health and all of that stuff? In addition to how do we have the, you know, the training side of things, and then how do we marry them together? And so, you know, fast forward to present day, you know, it's like I've done everything in between. I was a one-on-one -on -one nutrition coach for years and years. Um, I was director of education for a very large nutrition coaching company. So we would travel, we would teach uh, seminars for people that were more interested in nutrition and nutrition coaching and stuff like that. Um, you know, I competed at CrossFit Regionals in 2016 as a, a competitive athlete. I also was on CrossFit gymnastics seminar staff. So it's like all of these different things, but the big overarching theme was, you know, I'm really passionate about helping people just feel good in their body and not spend you know life at war with their body. And so um done a little bit of everything in between. But if we kind of fast forward to present day, um, I'm founder of a very large company. We have over almost 4,000 members that follow our online training programs uh, with Paragon Training Methods. And then um, every day to social media, you know, I just put out free nutrition content, free educational fitness content. And, and the big goal for me is, you know, it's like, I learned so many things the hard way. And how can I help others skip that learning curve? And truly, you know, it's like, if you go to my social media, I love breaking down really, really complex topics. Like if that is a superpower I have, I could sit down with your grandma and tell your grandma, hey, you're not eating enough food, you know, here, here's how to do the thing. Here's how to make changes. Because um, again, you know, it's like, I think it's very interesting on social media right now, especially because 2017, 2018 on Instagram was very clickbaity. And it was the more outrageous, the more attention you got and stuff like that. And so I'm not personally on TikTok. Um, I probably need to be. But, you know, again, it's like Instagram is just kind of always where I've primarily lived. But because of TikTok, you're seeing that same thing again, where it's like you're seeing all this bad information and you're seeing, again, you know, just the most outrageous stuff. Well, it goes viral and people are sharing it, which means people believe it. Um, and so it's just very fascinating because again, you know, social media kind of ebbs and flows, but same thing, you know, we're, we're in that we're back in the era where it's like popular on Instagram and TikTok to basically 
take a piece of content that somebody put you know put out and you're myth busting and you're tearing it apart and you know you're you're doing all this stuff and it's so exhausting because again it's like the real answer is that the information that usually works and works incredibly well isn't the sexy stuff, right? It's not the outrageous claims. It's not, you know, the sexy stuff. But unfortunately, you know, again, we're just back in that phase where it's like the more outrageous and the more sexy it is, the more attention it gets. Um but, you know, the, uh, you could think of me, you know, as your BFF for all things nutrition, fitness of, you know, I just really love nerding out over the science. And I understand that not everybody does. So how do we make that information as easily digestible uh, so that we can apply it and, you know, ultimately just, again, you know, help people find better harmony with the way they eat, they exercise and the way they live life. I love it. Yeah. So y- you brought up a couple of things that I think will kind of transition us into the thyroid slash hormone talk perfectly. Um, and we can start with the thyroid and if it tailspins into other hormones, that's totally fine sure. too. But it really, it's this kind of, uh, I'm curious if you know um, the numbers, if they're even accurate of like how common this is first and foremost, like hypothyroidism and just dysfunction of the thyroid period. Um, what people can be doing to help fix that? But also, does that translate into other hormones? Because I see a lot of this kind of social media stuff that you're talking about right now where there's just all these complex mechanisms and people are going just crazy with it. I'm like, hey, just fucking sleep, train a little bit less and eat enough food and you'll be fine. I don't care what hormones fucked up. But like, obviously that's like sometimes overly simplistic. Um, but if it does kind of, you know, translate across board, I would love to hear you talk about that because I know that you, like you said, you try to simplize, uh, simplify stuff a lot on your content um, and being somebody that has gone through the thyroid stuff herself like I'd love to hear your opinion on this yeah I was actually just super excited um I'm working with a new doctor soon and so I just got labs and so it's really cool because again you know I think it's so important to again be able to be the CEO of our own bodies and nobody's expecting people to be you know doctors or anything like that but being able to understand hey these are the common symptoms. And if you're experiencing these things, this is when you should go reach out to your doctor. This is when you should start dabbling into lab work, being able to make sure that your doctor is pulling the right lab work and stuff like that. So um, to kind of dial back to your original question, um, with thyroid, if you actually look at statistics, they say that about one in eight women, it tends to be women, it's just more common. And the they believe that connection is just simply we have menstrual cycles. And so obviously, with that ability to bear children, you know, it's like, there, A, we have a little bit more complex hormones in terms of we just have a lot of moving parts that we need everything on the ship to be working together. Um, But it's even, you know, it's like kind of the comparison of like, well, maybe a dude can fast for, you know, several hours a day and, it, you know, they do intermittent fasting and it's fine. But then, you know, you try to apply that same idea to a female and you just don't see that same outcome you know it's like well actually in women you start seeing cortisol levels go up and you start seeing all the wheels you know break down on the bus and so it's understanding that you know it you certainly can still see thyroid issues in men. I've, I've actually helped uh, several clients, you know, several, several clients over the years where it was like, 
they'd be like, oh, well, like, do, do we really need to test for this? And be like, bro, like you're checking all the, all the boxes. Like it can't hurt. It, it's always better again to do lab work. I'm such a big advocate of it because we always want to be on the prevention side of things. We don't want to be on the reactive side mm -hmm. of things where it's like, well, fuck, everything's broken. And I feel like shit. Now we're trying to crawl out of this hole. You know, it's like, well, you're going to see lab work start to go down the shitter because it's, it's always going to be changing, adapting, you know, to whatever you're doing with your nutrition, your exercise or stress, all that stuff. Um, so I'm always big on the prevention side. Uh, but so they say about one in eight women, but I would also venture to say that I think that that statistic, I think that range is a lot more common than that. People just a don't know the symptoms of thyroid stuff. So they're not seeking attention for it. Um, you're seeing a lot of doctors that again, you know, it's like, well, you're a regular, you know, general practitioner doctor. Yes, they're kind of they know the gambit of everything, but they're not necessarily a thyroid specialist. They're not necessarily a hormone specialist. And so it's kind of like when you're going to a pizza shop, but you're asking for a sandwich, it's like, well, yeah, like your, your general doctor can pull lab work but is he going to pull the right stuff? You know, for thyroid, you actually need uh, five values typically to get a proper diagnosis because it's like, again, it only takes one being off that could tell something really, really important. So when we're going to do lab work, you're basically looking at TSH, you're looking at free T3, free T4, and then your antibodies would be TPO and TGAB. And so the important thing again to understand is we could have all those thyroid values be totally fine but we might see antibodies that then lead to those, you know, the rest of those numbers declining over time because you can be low in thyroid hormone, which would be hypothyroidism, or you can also have the autoimmune component to it, which is Hashimoto's. And so basically what that means is, you know, your body is stemming this autoimmune attack. It's attacking your thyroid. Your thyroid tissue, you know, becomes damaged over time. Well, then obviously we see a decline in those thyroid levels. And so it, it goes both ways where it's like for most people, you'll typically see TSH going really, really high before again you know, you kind of see that cascade of things but you know you work with enough clients over the years and again you know i'm not a doctor i'm not necessarily looking at lab work to analyze anything other than hey this kind of looks off go to your doctor you know let's keep digging and so um kind of thinking that you know for for so many people again well how often do we draw lab work like most people go do their yearly you know annual maybe for their insurance and stuff but it's like a cbc panel <laughs> like maybe it has like a fasting glucose or you know stuff like that but it's like we're not digging into thyroid we're not digging into hormones with any of that um and so it's like kind of just changing again the way that we perceive stuff is you know it's like if you're regularly testing, you're just better able to, you know, stay on top of stuff. So um, about one in eight women, but like I said, I think that proportion is much higher. Um, in terms of actual symptoms that perhaps your thyroid isn't doing so hot, uh, the biggest, most common one that like, that's like the giant red flag for me is everything. When we see the word hypo, you know, just think everything in the body is basically slowing down, whatever it is. So when it comes to digestion specifically, um, it's super common, you know, let's say you're working with a nutrition client, there's some question in the intake form and it asks, hey, you know, so every day, how often do you go to the bathroom? How often are we having bowel movements? And every single time, if there's that client that says, yeah, you know what? I only take a dump every like three to four to five days. Like that's what I'm instantly like, 
Hmm. Okay. Putting a little asterisk note to myself. We should probably check thyroid uh, because slow digestion is a you know a very common symptom of that. Uh, the other things you can also see is just general tiredness, fatigue. So again, that kind of experience of okay, well, you know, I'm sleeping seven or eight hours a night, but I'm still waking up and I just don't want to get out of bed. I'm dragging. Maybe I need to take naps. Uh, you know, again, maybe every day in the afternoon, it's like nap time. Um, if you're chronically tired, that's like one of the biggest ones. You're also going to see if you have really cold fingertips and toes. Um, maybe you're somebody that, you know, it's warm outside, <laughs> it's it's warm temperatures, but you're still bundled up and you're, you're wearing a hoodie and leggings and all that stuff. Um, so this intolerance to temperatures is a common symptom. Uh, hair loss is another one. So I remember like back in the day, I used to just like shower and I would just be leaving little LCK bunnies, you know, in the shower, right? Um, same thing, you know, it's like having super, super dry skin. Uh, and, and there's other symptoms too, right? Like you can actually get like goiter, you can get, uh, you know, changes that they call it like moon face, but basically you're like super puffy and swollen around the face. Um, but, you know, those are kind of just some of those symptoms again, where it's like, Oh, like maybe we should go get testing. And I mean, that's the thing is like kind of a, a side note is it's like people have to understand that like when we work with an insurance and we are working with it when we're working with insurance, I'll just leave that that. It's like you're getting general care. And so if you're somebody that you're wanting to feel better than the average person, well, you, you might have to pay for better care, right? Um, and so it's like insurance can get dicey. I actually always, you know, it's like I pay for insurance every month, but I actually do all my blood work and stuff like that not using insurance because it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, there's, you know, so it's like in this case, you know, my doctor just writes stuff, you know, I go to LabCorp. Um, it's actually a really rad place in Texas called Any Lab Test Now. You can literally just walk in, pay cash uh, and same thing. You know, it's like, you're probably, if you're going to do like a full hormone panel and check, you know, estrogen and testosterone and all this stuff, you know, you're probably looking at like a $300, $400 endeavor. It's it's not cheap by any means. Um, but typically, like if you were going to go just get thyroid stuff, you're probably looking at like 150, 200 bucks, I would say, you know, kind of regardless of states and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, basically, that's how you would do the testing is, you know, no matter what, it is non-negotiable to have a doctor that you love and trust. And so it's super common for people to say like, oh, well, you know, like, yeah, I see my doctor, but he won't pull all the lab markers. Uh, like it's, it's super common for thyroid stuff, especially to see doctors that will only pull TSH or they'll only pull TSH and T4. But like I said, you know, it's like, well, we, we need all five <laughs> for that full proper diagnosis. Because again, it's like, well, yeah, those two could be great. But what if you have antibodies that are off the charts? Or again, you know, it's like your free T3, arguably, in my opinion, is probably the most important one because that's your active hormone. You know, that's actually how much stuff that we're working with. And so, so many people, you know, it's like, oh, well, my, my doctor just sucks. He won't pull the labs. And it's like, dude, like this is a service just like anything else you know, if you go to a restaurant and you don't like the service well you probably don't go back right yeah. you would go find somebody you do and so i think that's the hardest thing is it's like there's so many doctors out there and so actually finding one that gives a fuck and that you know you jive with and stuff like that like no doubt like that can be tough and so you know god bless the panini and and you know he being here present day in 2022 because it's like well most people shifted to like that work at home life and you know so many places now do telemedicine and stuff like that but i always tell people it's like 
just Google, like literally wherever you live, like, hey, uh, looking for, you know, a doctor who specializes in thyroid or hormones and, you know, city state. Uh, in most places, you know, again, it's like, you, yeah, you might have to do a little research, but it's probably going to be a better outcome than again, you know, just perhaps going to your doctor where they, they don't know, to, you know, tons and tons about thyroid stuff. Yeah. Well, and even on top of that, like, I think, like you said before, people just expect that any doctor, and, and I agree to an extent, I think any doctor should probably be able to read the blood work. But when we're working with reference ranges, especially like it, it spans across different hormones, but um, like I know this more so well for testosterone just because of personally, but if there's a reference range that spans 800 from top to bottom and you're at the very bottom by like one or two points and they're like, you're good to go. <laughs> I personally would have a concern with that, you know? So sometimes you have to go find nutritionists or coaches or people who just know because they've gone through stuff like you've gone through or they work with clients that we work through with and they've had to do their own due diligence to learn how to read this stuff properly you know so 100% agree now when it comes to fixing the issue um and obviously uh, people might be listening to and realize you didn't say weight gain is one of the symptoms but if you listen yeah, to yeah, all yeah, the yeah. different things that she was talking about there are a lot of different metabolic processes that just keep slowing down as you can imagine weight gain is probably going to happen from those things happening, but, um, what can people do? Like, what are the things to help fix this? And is there a commonality between thyroid and these other hormones that might be affected because of the thyroid or just for people listening that don't have a thyroid issue, but they have a different issue. Totally. So I'm going to work this in reverse, uh, just cause I think we can quickly knock it out. That's like, we just have to remember that nothing in our body works in a vacuum. And so it's mm -hmm. like, it wouldn't hardly ever be the case that it's like our thyroid is super busted and super fucked up but then all our sex hormones and everything else is happy you know it's like if something is broken there's other you know mm -hmm. other things that are going to go with it and so it's like my assumption would be you know it's like if you're dealing with thyroid stuff well we also need to look at okay you know what's your menstrual cycle like what are your levels for testosterone estrogen are you ovulating every month what is progesterone looking like um so that's where again you know it's like obviously money is a restriction for most people especially like dear god i think uh california side note is having like gas price issues still even though every other uh place in the united states is like back to normal business so i think when i was driving home earlier it was like gas 620 uh per gallon like thanks sick um That's... but you know again it's like <laughs> everything's fucking expensive right now so again you know I, I say this all with immense privilege also to be like yeah you should like go spend money on hormones and testing like shit's expensive like trust me I I get it like uh especially as someone that's self-employed and you know not working for somebody else with like awesome interns but um you know it's like yeah you know understanding that again you know we don't live in a bubble so yes look at thyroid stuff but we got to keep going and look at everything else as well um so just quickly knock that out um but in terms of actually you know, what can we do i think a really important um thing to kind of notate is for so many years there was kind of this connotation uh associated with taking medications or having prescriptions right whereas like oh uh you should just do it natural like if you just eat well and and you just exercise and you just change x y and z like you, you want you know try, try to do it natural and it's like well yeah for sure like we, we need good habits across the board we want good efforts in nutrition and lifestyle and all that stuff but there's no shame whatsoever you know again it's like i will probably be on thyroid meds 
my whole life because my body just doesn't produce enough of them in adequate amounts to do the thing and for me to feel well. Um, so I think removing the guilt factor from all of that, I think is really, really important. Um, Cause there was actually, even for me personally, I think from like 29 to 30 ish uh, that would, like I said, like you would see even social media posts about that. Um, and, and there was, there was just this guilt and this shame about like, Oh, if, if you can't figure it out, like you just need to try harder. Um, and so what I did, you know, I, I stopped taking thyroid meds and then everything got tremendously worse because again, you know, it's like no amount of me, you know, sleeping and eating more vegetables is going to fix, you know, just my body is naturally mm. just dispositioned this way. And now, you know, it's, I, I realize that thyroid issues run in my family and, you know, a couple other members have them and stuff like that. So I, I'm for sure, probably, you know, the genetic component of it. Um, and so again, you know, first and foremost, have a doctor that you love and trust, you know, when you actually go, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, when I basically at that stint, when I was like 30 and I started working again with a doctor, you know, was going to get on meds. Um, I went back to the doctor every single month until my levels were remedied because it was like, well, again, here <laughs> was a nutrition coach. I think at that, at that time I had like 12 years or something under my belt of, okay, I, I'm now no longer addicted to myself in the gym. Like I'm taking rest days that, you know, I'm training appropriately. I'm recovering from my workouts. You know, I know that I'm eating enough food and all this stuff. Um, but you know, it's like, I saw my doctor initially, obviously we did lab work, got the prescription and it took probably, I think it was month five that we finally were like, oh, okay, cool. You know, that, you know, values are where they need to be. But for so many people, it's very common to see like, oh, yep, got a prescription. And my doctor said, cool, see you in six months. And it's like, well, no, like you need to keep testing. You need to keep adjusting because it's like, we kept raising my thyroid dose, I think the first three months. And again, like nothing was happening. And that was that fourth month that we finally, you know, kicked it up. I was like, oh, okay, you know, we're getting traction. But same thing, you know, for some people, um, you can actually take synthetic hormones or you can take man-made. Um, so it's figuring out, A, well, which prescription do you drive with? But then also, you know, in my case, I actually take a T4 and a T3 medication. So it's like, there's so many moving parts of, you know, again, you might have to keep adjusting dosages. You have to find, you know, what works for you. But I think, that, again, if there's one big take-home, it's like, if we know that thyroid levels are not optimal, you just have to advocate for yourself. And if your doctor does say, cool, see you in three months, see you in six months, it'd be like, hey, listen, I'm trying to get off the I feel like shit bus. So actually, I want to see you in a month and we're going to pull laps. And if things aren't good, let's keep adjusting dosages and let's keep going good. And again, you know, most people are slightly different than me where it's like, well, they likely have some underlying habits too in the way that they're eating or living life that need you know, adjusting and care as well. So like, just understand that it goes both ways where it's like, well, it, we can take all the medication in the world, but if we're still doing the stuff that made us sick or, you know, made us feel a certain way, we got to fix that and, you know, and vice versa. So it's like, we need the good habit changes in addition to, you know, the medication changes and stuff like that. Um, but as far as, you know, what are actual actionable things that we can start doing that are going to impact just our either overall hormone health or thyroid stuff, you know, there's so many, there's so many things like the number one thing is that 
if you are under eating and if you're eating less than your maintenance calories per day, so if you're somebody that, you know, every single time a new diet on Pinterest or a new diet on TikTok pops up or you're doing these fasting challenges, you know, if you're the person that's hopping diet to diet to diet and you've never actually been at maintenance calories, you probably are the person that, you know, it's like, we need to start there because same thing, we can take all the medication in the world, but if we're still starving ourselves and trying to diet, you know, we're, we're probably going to be fighting an uphill battle. Um, so number one thing is, you know, are we eating enough food? And so that's kind of where, you know, over the years, um, I actually trademarked the phrase strong and well-fed is, you know, how do we get people to understand, you know, even, uh, I worked for a meal prep company that had like ready-made meals. And so I remember when I worked there, it was like they would have the 1200 calorie plan for women and they had the 1500 calorie plan for dudes. And then super wild, like they had the 1800 calorie plan for athletes. Um, and it's so fucked up because it's like, here I am, I'm five foot three. Um, I'm smaller than most people, you know, and so there was so much marketing over the years where it's like, even when I was a competitive athlete, I was training five days, six days, seven days a week for hours on end. And I wasn't eating enough food, you know, present day, my maintenance calories are typically no less than I'd say about 2300 calories. And that's not with me doing the most, you know, present day, uh, first and foremost, I'm a business owner, right? It's like, I'm one of those people where it's like, I spend so much time at the desk now that, you know, it might be nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, well, shit, I need to go for a really long walk because I just haven't gotten even 7,000, 8,000 steps a day, right? Um, so I'm five foot three, and my maintenance calories are 2300. And yet, what did we grow up with in the 90s was all these drastic ways to shrink our body and diet and, and do all these things, right? Um, even watching, like, if you dialed back to, like, 2016 to 2018, especially in, like, the CrossFit space, which present day, you know, I strength train, I bodybuild, I'm far removed from, like, my high intensity in CrossFit days. But you would see all of these CrossFit Games athletes that are doing the most and doing all this training. And it would be like, oh, full day of eating. And it'd be like 1600 calories, right? Uh, there were so many you know, templated nutrition companies. And there were so many nutrition companies at that time, that same thing, you know, it was like, you would get a nutrition client from them because they'd be, you know, exhausted of eating zero food. You, you would like try, you know, like actually log out what they were eating. And it's like, cool. So do you know you're eating 1,100 calories per day? Like, uh, shocker that we feel like shit. Our menstrual cycles, you know, gone missing. We don't have a sex drive. Everything's broken, right? Um, so there just has to be more education about how much food do we actually need? You know, um, it's been really fun. I actually finally, almost 10 years later, got off the single bus. And so, um, my boyfriend is five foot nine. And so same thing, he was actually working, uh, with our friend, Alex Macklin for one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching. But it's like, when we started dating, it was like, He'd be like intermittent fasting all day long and then have like one massive meal and it'd be like super high fat, super high protein. Like homie would be like crushing ribeyes, like two for dinner. Um, and so same thing, you know, kind of getting him like, or it'd be like, cool, dude. Well, you're uh, six inches taller than me and you're eating like 2000 calories a day. So like shocker that we feel like shit. And then, you know, now fast forward, it's like, he's super freaking, he's more shredded than I am. Actually, it's bullshit. I want a refund. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at five foot nine, you know, he's eating 
3,000, 3,100, 3,200 calories per day because now he's actually figured out his maintenance calories. And so when we're talking about nutrition stuff, it's so important to realize that like our body has to adapt to whatever we do. So people will be like, oh, like my my maintenance calories are 1,600. Like if I I even have a day at 1,700, like I gain weight. And it's like, well, yeah, like your body adapted to that. So we're going to have to go through, you know, a phase of actually getting your food up to, you know, reasonable intake. But for so many people, you know, even, even in our Paragon Training Methods community, it's not uncommon to see our women where it's like, hey, you're training three or four days a week for 60 to 75 minutes. You're getting 8,000 steps a day. Oh, shocker. Your maintenance calories are actually 2,300, 2,500. You know, again, it's like the taller we are, the more muscular you are. You could be, you know, again, like how many five, eight, five, nine females I worked with over the years where it'd be like, Cool. So you were eating like 1800 calories when we started and turns out your maintenance calories are 2800. Um, hi, hello. Awesome. Right. So it's like we have to still like there's so much work to be done on getting people to understand how much food they need to eat in a day. But also it's like, well, how many people want to track their food and track their macros? You know, like so many people, it's like they just want to bird box their way to whatever. And it's like, well, when you have the data, that's empowering because we can actually do something with it. Right. Um, so super long winded, but you know, it, even if we look at one of my favorite social media posts to share is I basically took a chart that was from the FDA, the HHS and the USDA. And it was basically the, the span of, Hey, you know, from the time that you are, let's say like 10 years old to, I, I want to say it's like 10 to 60 or something like that, but they basically did a breakdown for women and for men. And they basically showed, Hey, you know, if you're pretty sedentary, like here's how many calories you probably need to eat in a day, you know, here's if you're pretty active and then like super duper active. But again, you know, that giant aha of, wow, we, we were brainwashed basically through the nineties and growing up all this time. Um, I will say again, I think TikTok and Pinterest are where dreams go to die for social media, um, in terms of educational (laughs) resources and stuff. But, you know, I love sharing that chart because again, here you have these big governing bodies that are still over here like hey ladies can you like fucking eat the food and do the thing um so it's a little it hits a little different right like it it hits different when it's like somebody on social media saying well i'm five three and i eat this much versus like cool well actually science and like these governing bodies are backing what i'm saying right it it just hits different um so super long-winded you know but it's like I would say as a general statement, and again, you know, the more active we are, the more calories, the more carbs we got to eat to keep up with that activity and, and to support all that. But it's like for most women or most menstruating individuals, you know, we're probably looking at your maintenance calories being a minimum of something like 1700, 1800 calories. And again, you know, the more active we are, the taller we are, the more we probably got you know, room to grow within that. So um, number one, for sure, again, you know, just think that your thyroid's job is to help you survive. And so if we're chronically not eating enough food, you know, if, again, if my maintenance calories are 2,300, I don't know that I'm actually, you know, I'm not tracking my food, I'm not doing everything. Turns out that I'm averaging, you know, 1,800, 2,000 calories. Well, your body has to adapt to that situation. It starts shutting stuff down, right? And so, you know, again, also think about it's like, although most people desire to, you know, have kids and, and bear children, 
at the end of the day, we don't need that for survival. So when food isn't, you know, when, when our body, our body's much smarter than us, right? When our body senses, oh, well, shoot, like there's not enough food to support this person just living life and all the activity and stuff they do, let alone there's not enough calories to go around for this person to have a baby and to do that thing. So, you know, how common is, again, you know, especially if you're seeing people that are dramatically under eating for extended periods of time, and then your period disappears. You know, that's, that is very similar with the thyroid stuff where it's like your thyroid is just going to downregulate to, you know, to adjust to that low calorie eating. So one of the biggest things we can do to support our hormone and thyroid health is just make sure that we're eating enough food. Um, on that marker, you know, it's like, it's been, I think nutrition is so tough because at the end of the day, people can financially benefit from it. Right. So kind of like we were talking off air, um, as well, you know, it's like the more outrageous something is, the more people want to buy it. And you know, so over the years, we've seen the promotion of super, super low fat diets, or even, you know, like, God bless my mother, but I, I still think my mom lives in like the fat is fat and, you know, fat makes you fat and uh, only eats egg whites and, you know, everything she buys in the store is purposely low fat and, you know, has, has stuff taken out. Um, but the reality is it's like, well, fats are really, really important actually for our hormone health. Like we, our bodies need it to be able to absorb vitamins, you know? So if we're talking about fat soluble vitamins, like A, D, E, and K, um, all of those are, you know, ironically nutrients and vitamins that we need to have good hormone health, to have good thyroid health. Um, so we need, you know, healthy fats in our diet to be able to absorb vitamins and stuff in our food, but we physically need cholesterol to be able to make hormones. And so again, you know, if we talk about, it's like, well, how common was it, especially, you know, say five or six years ago, uh, when a templated nutrition coaching company came out on the market, and you would see people that, you know, here for two, three months, they've been eating 35, 40 grams of fats in a day. And they're also the same people that are also like, yep, haven't seen a period in uh, six months, sex drive is zero, my hair's falling out, my skin looks like shit. Well, shocker, you know, it's like that, those are all things that healthy fats, you know, help and support. Uh, on the other token, you know, it's like, well, our body actually needs carbohydrates to be able to convert thyroid hormone. And so it's kind of this happy middle um, where it's like, also, you know, again, it's like, under recovery is one of the biggest root causes for so many things. You know, again, I say this with love because I was this person where I lived in the more is better. And uh, for so many years of my life, you know, it was like I was working out five days, six days a week, um, seven days a week. I wasn't taking rest days. Deload weeks would come through in training programs and I wouldn't take them. If anything, I'd go harder because at the time I didn't understand like, oh, Deload weeks are supposed to be like, so your body can rest and relax and recharge so you can keep doing the thing. Um, you know, when we're chronically under recovering, whether that is we're doing too much training volume, we're training too many days, we're not getting enough rest days, um, we're just not eating enough for all of that, you know, that all falls under the same snowball of the big picture of under recovery. And so when we're under recovering on a chronic constant basis, well, again, you know, the bus is going to break down, you know, and we are going to see thyroid issues at some point, we're probably going to see hormone issues. Again, we're probably going to see gut health issues, we're going to see digestion issues, um, all of this stuff, right. And so when we're looking at habits to support hormone health, it's again, you know, well, 
we don't need it can we can we be goldilocks in the three bears right like can we get say um i think a really good if people ever want a great nutrition resource uh alan aragon earlier this year recently published his flexible dieting book and like that is the book that we needed 10 years ago, we needed 20 years ago, um, because he actually brings the PubMed, he brings the research, and he's, you know, he's able to take all these studies and stuff. And again, just just such a great job of, hey, you know, again, this is going to depend, <laughs> nutrition is so independent, there's no magical set of macros. Um, but hey, you know, here's recommendations for, uh, you know, how many fats we should eat in a day, what should, you know, what we should be doing with protein and all that stuff. So, you know, when we're looking at carbohydrates and fats, you know, it's, there's no magical equation there, but I think for most people, um, you know, for our menstruating individuals and our, our women out there, you know, we're looking probably, I'd say, set your calories for like fats at like 25% of, you know, how much food you're eating a day. Same thing, you know, it's like, we just don't want to be super low fat. We don't want to be super low carb. We just kind of need both of them. And so uh, same thing, you know, it's like, it's not uncommon for most people. I feel like the number one question I could like answer daily and I would still get it daily. And it'd be like, hey, so like, how how can I better hit my protein goals? And it's like, guys, like we got to stop bringing like the small protein energy to our meals. You know, it's like, I understand if we dine out at a restaurant that we might get three or four ounces of meat, uh, but the equation I'd actually shared, and I think it is like the number one, like most underrated hack that I wish people could get in bed with. But if you are a female and you aimed for somewhere about like five to six ounces of meat, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And same thing if you were a dude and you aimed for like six to eight ounces of protein, breakfast, lunch, dinner, for I would say 95% of people, that's going to get you to like 75% of your protein taken care of for the day. So like when I did it for me, it was like six ounces of meat at breakfast, lunch, dinner, that would get me to 105 grams. I weigh like 118, 120. So it's like, you better believe that between like all the other fruits and vegetables and all the other like carbs and fats I'm eating throughout the day, I'm going to hit 120 grams of protein just from that intentionality of six ounces at every meal. And then, you know, again, we're going to have residual proteins from other foods, same thing. So then I was like, okay, I'm going deep on this rabbit hole for this Q and a today. Like I want to make a point. So I did the same for my boyfriend. I did eight ounces at breakfast, lunch, dinner, and I think it came out to like 140 or 145 grams of protein. And same thing. He's like 165 pounds. Well, that just leaves him 20 ounce or you know, 20 grams of protein he needs to get, you know, from other foods in his diet. Like easy, right? But like for so many people, it'd be like, I just need more hacks on how to get more protein. Like, can you can you just give me a list? I was like, well, yeah, like I can tell you to go to the store and pick up hard-boiled eggs and deli meat and Greek yogurt, but it's like there's a lot easier ways to get from A to B. So like, what, what if we just did this thing, right? Um, but same thing, you know, protein is when it comes to strength training, you know, we know that's a non-negotiable. We know that's a big rock, but ironically for our thyroid and for our hormone health, same thing. It's like, if we're not, if we're eating low protein, if we're your stereotypical person that maybe they've never worked with a nutrition coach and then they log their food for the first time, it's like, oh, cool. It uh, turns out I'm averaging 50 grams of protein and I'm a 180 pound human, right? Like not optimal. Um, you know, it's like, it, it's so funny because again, it just gets back to like, that's not sexy to tell people, Hey, you need to eat enough calories. You need to eat more protein. You need to get enough carbs and fat. 
And those are like the biggest blocks you could possibly throw at your hormones, you know, to support them and to support your well-being. Um, same thing, you know, it's like again, just simple habits of understanding that you know, our body has to recover from all the training that we're doing and that more actually isn't better. Um, you know, good programming is good programming. So let's follow a strength training program that has progressive overload. It has repeating movements. Um, but again, more programming and spending two hours, three hours in the gym actually, does, you know, it, it, programming isn't created equal. I've, yeah. I've followed a lot of shit training programs over the years. Right. Um, and thankfully now, you know, that's, that's what I do for a living is my business partner is phenomenal. He's been training for 25 years and he's great at programming. Um, but that was the most life-changing thing is that's like, holy shit, man. Like turns out I was like maximalist level over here and I was like doing the most. And now I only train four days a week. Uh, now that I'm here in California, I do, uh, go for like a trail run, beachside run, like, you know, have to, have to, right. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, well, I'm training 60, 75 minutes a day, four days a week, go on a little, you know, three or four mile uh, rip in the sunshine, but I'm getting two full rest days. I'm not spending two, three, four hours in the gym. So my body's actually recovering <laughs> and I feel great inside and outside the gym. Right. So the same thing, you know, it's just that kind of that recovery piece of managing how much we are training versus how much time we're spending to just let our body, you know, do the thing. You know, those are all the really, really big rocks, but yet you go on social media and it's going to be like, Oh, you need to sync your period to your training and all the stuff. It's like, y'all like, I hate <laughs> God bless. I, I know I don't, I don't need to search, but I know that there's people out there probably making sick infographics and it'll be like, uh, support your thyroid health by following these things. And it's like, that's not real. I think uh, I actually answered this on a and a for an Instagram story recently. And I'm always like, again, it's like, I, I always just do a brief check. I'm not spending hours and hours. But in this case, the person was asking, hey, like I definitely like my my thyroid levels are no bueno. Like I just started working with a new person. Um, I don't have digestive problems with gluten or dairy that I know of. And yet my doctor is telling me that I need to cut out all dairy and I need to cut out all gluten. And so again, you know, we'll see how this podcast ages. Uh, but it's very fascinating because a few years ago, that was kind of the generic advice was it's like, oh, if you've got thyroid issues, you should probably go free, dairy free, mm -hmm. uh, fun free, you know. And so I, I looked in PubMed and again, I didn't exhaust every single thing. So I certainly could miss something that's like I'm looking at all the stuff that's 20, you know, 2021, 2022. Uh, I think I even looked at one as far back as like 2014. Um, but actually the the cat doesn't quite support <laughs> what that says. You know, it's like, certainly it's very common if you have hormone issues or, you know, again, it's like, if you do have Hashimoto's, well, the likelihood that you have another autoimmune issue, or maybe you do have celiac, but you haven't been diagnosed yet. You know, that is very common that if you have one autoimmune issue, perhaps we do have another. Right. Um, but again, you know, it's like getting, getting away and, and being able to navigate where it's like, 
Well, shoot, dude, uh, all the research actually says those are unsubstantiated <laughs> suggestions and claims. Uh, so again, you know, it, it, yes, go test yourself for celiac, you know, make sure that we, uh, you know, again, if you know that these foods, you know, bother you, if, if you know that, hey, when I go out for chips and queso, I'm like on the fucking toilet the next day. Well, yeah, like you probably have an issue. Um, but it, it's that big thing where it's like, there are no good or bad foods. And if a food doesn't cause you problems, well, you can probably keep eating that food. Yeah. And so again, you know, what I told that person too, it's like, I, I actually screen posted, you know, a bunch of studies and it was like, well, I mean, again, you know, we, we don't know. And again, when we also look at research, it's not black or white. It's not like, oh, well, this study says, you know, it's like, this study suggests that, you know, dot, 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 right. But um, same thing, you know, it's like, uh, I actually am lactose intolerant. So the reason why I'm gluten-free and dairy-free is, well, I actually do have celiac. It runs in the family and, oh, you know, like if I eat ice cream, I'm probably going to die later. Uh, but, you know, for most people, it's like that, that might not be something that we actually need to change. But again, you know, it's like the only way you're really going to know is by doing an elimination diet and stuff like that, you know, take it out for a while, but same thing, you know, if you take out dairy for three weeks and then you suddenly have ice cream or cheese or whatever it is, and then, you know, you're freaking dying or stomach ache or whatever. Well, yeah, you, you probably should, should avoid that food. Right. Um, but that's such a common thing that, like I said, you know, so many, so many functional doctors or, or this and that were pushing and it's like, Ooh, well, that's interesting. Cause, uh, that actually, <laughs> we don't have the research for that yet. Yeah. Like you, you certainly might be onto something. Uh, so oh. that would just be my, my advice too, is like, just beware. And, or again, you know, ask your doctor, challenge them. Your, your doctor is not uh, a God that knows everything, you know, they actually might not know either. Oh, actually, well, uh, I did, I did some research and that's not, uh, that's not working. Right. It's like, you should be able to have a good conversation yeah. with your doctor where it is a give and take and you're tossing around ideas rather than it's just like, Hey, go do this, you know, do this now. I think, uh, yeah, I've had plenty of conversations with doctors and I've pressed because I feel confident doing so, but I encourage people to do the same because there's a lot of doctors who are stuck in very old textbooks and there's a lot of functional or natural paths that are just stuck in pseudoscience and it's not proven by research. So you're right on that. And, and, you know, like, obviously this is a, a topic that you're clearly passionate about because we're literally up at the, the time <laughs> and we just touched on one topic. So we'll, we'll have you back on to be able to dive into the birth control stuff and everything. So I think sure. that's important, but like in a nutshell for people listening, I want to like circle back to a couple things and just kind of recap this as, you know, it's important to understand what natural things are going to help the issue. But if it's a genetic thing, like in your case, um, or if you've had said issue for so long before taking action to improve it, that ad adaptation is quote unquote solidified to a point. that's going to be extremely hard to reverse. You know, if a guy has had a horrible lifestyle, been overweight for 10 years, you're not going to take ashwagandha and have great testosterone levels. Like you probably <laughs> need fucking TRT at this point, you know? So I think there's, there's an acceptance piece in there and there's some work to be done, but um, I mean, so much value in just like trying to dissect everything you said there to, for people listening to, to just understand there's, it's not a one size fits all, you know, like take this stuff in, do the testing. If you can afford it, obviously, if not do the elimination diet, if you have to, but like you said too, I also know people who did a paleo challenge and then afterwards somehow were lactose intolerant. And I'm like, or did you just go to ham on some ice cream after you did the 60 day paleo challenge? You probably didn't digest it well, but um, plain and simple, like it, it is a loaded conversation, but for people listening, like recovery is key. 
um, periodizing your nutrition. So if you have a thyroid dysfunction, it doesn't mean you can never try to lose weight again. It means that if you've been trying to lose weight chronically forever, you probably need to take a break for a while, eat enough food, repair yourself, fix, like get your shit in order, get your house in order, and then come back to the, the approach in an intelligent way, not while training, uh, balls of all time, you know, which well, I know and I'd, I'd well. love to like slide in on that too. And just say, um, I think the biggest thing people have to understand on the nutrition front is when it's an appropriate time to diet. And it's like, if we are chasing health goals and we're mm. trying to improve thyroid levels and we're trying to improve our health, that is a different, you know, that's a different protocol than, Hey, I'm trying to diet. And, yeah. you know, so it's like, when we're looking at thyroid stuff, you know, let's say you just newly got diagnosed. Well, the chances of you again, like inability to change your body composition or inability to lose weight or struggling to manage your weight. Those are all symptoms again of, Hey, my thyroid's like not working so well. So let's say, you know, again, you go get labs, turns out, Oh, sh well, shit. Like, yeah, I actually am hypothyroidism or I, I do have hypothyroidism. If your thyroid levels aren't optimal, that means everything's probably already downregulated. And so we can't go farther down that hole. Like for sure. Yeah. Maybe you could drop your calories to 800 calories a day and yeah, your thyroid levels are garbage, but you can still keep pushing the thing. It's like, I hear you because you're already struggling with your body, but we have to go worry about health so that the aesthetic piece can follow at mm -hmm. a future date. And, and again, like I said, it's like as someone that did nutrition coaching for 15 years, like the most frustrating conversation to have because somebody is hiring you. They think that you can magically you know, wave a wand or, you know, bend gravity and make things happen. It's like we, we can't get away from that fact where it's like, understand that your thyroid levels are probably going to decline when we're dieting they're going to get worse so if you're already in that place where thyroid levels are shit we're not in a phase right now that we get to worry about that goal of body composition and shrinking ourselves and again you know it's like we we have to press pause we have to go the other way you know we have to get our calories back up and so again you know it's like that's where don't try to do that yourself like it's going to be super frustrating because again you're going to look in the mirror you already hate what you see and here you know some somebody on a podcast is like sorry you're, you don't get to work on those goals right now but it's like we, again, we have to prioritize health and we have to press pause on that. We have to go work on our health, get that house in order so that those aesthetics can follow. But, you know, again, it's like, I, I think so many people on social media related to my story because it's like, it was years and years. It, you know, here I was, how many years of my life that I spent under eating, overtraining, doing the most, you know, via competitive CrossFit and, you know, high intensity exercise and all this stuff, just beating my body into the floor. And so when I finally started, you know, doing better for myself because I understood, you know, how much food I needed to be eating, how to actually train properly, how to prioritize recovery, you know, it's like I was doing all the right things for so long. And it wasn't just like, oh, I did this for a couple months or, oh, I did it for six months. It was, I was 28 years old. I got off hormonal birth control, you know, started getting my house in order, all this stuff. And here I was at 30 years old, 31 years old. So, you know, struggling. And so it wasn't really for me until probably I'd say when I was like 32, that finally all the years and days in and days out that I was tracking my food, prioritizing recovery, do, you know, doing all these things that finally it was like, oh God, freaking bless. Things are falling into order. And finally, you know, again, it was like, I was able to just diet and things worked and I was able to 
you know, get to the body size I want, but it's like people, again, it's like you get to that place where you're in, we call it the shit bucket. Right. And it's like, whenever you hit rock bottom and you're exhausted and you're fed up with the way things are, and you, you know, you just feel so bad that then you're willing to start making changes and seeking labs and finding a doctor, you know, it's like, you've got a really uphill battle. And like I said, you know, that comes from a place of love because I lived there for years. But so many people, exactly like you said, you know, it's like that is a very long adaptation point where it's like, you know, I, I think a really perfect example is like, you see a demographic of basically women right now that maybe they are, we'll say 50 to 65 years old, and it doesn't matter what they do. They can do, you know, air quotes, all the things right on nutrition, fitness. They're not drinking anymore. Uh, they're going to bed, you know, they're, they're living a super active lifestyle, but it's like, they just can't change their body composition. They just can't lose weight. They can't, you know, get the, get their body looking the way they want to look. And it's like, well, you have to think about that factor that you, if you're 50 or 60 years old, you quite literally had decades of consistently doing whatever you were doing. And how many women was it super, you know, again, it's like, well, we can get into birth control and, and different podcasts. I'm not anti-birth control by any means, but we have to understand that when our body is made to have a, you know, a monthly menstrual cycle and our body is made to have these hormone fluctuations and all of this stuff every, you know, every single month, our body thrives on that. And so when we shut down that mechanism because we don't want kids or maybe we don't want a monthly period or maybe we're somebody that, you know, we struggle with really bad symptoms of, you know, acne or we have really, you know, uncomfortable cramps or maybe we have an underlying thing like endometriosis so that, you know, we take hormonal birth control to, you know, to make that all better. Totally get it. You know, there's, there's a million and one reasons why we can take hormonal birth control but how many people in that age gap of basically people, like I said, I'm 33, my mom is 67, give or take. Um, how many people in my mom's generation spent their entire life on hormonal birth control, having their hormones, you know, shut down, nothing's happening there, you know, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Um, doesn't it make sense then that when same generation also dealt with so many bad <laughs> nutrition philosophies of again hey uh we don't eat fat and oh hey uh actually we're not really doing tons of protein in our meals and hey you're i think i just saw like an instagram post and it was like uh does anyone else remember when special k came out with a diet and you quite literally just ate special k for breakfast lunch dinner and like that was the diet um but again you know it's like that generation that is currently 50 years old 60 years old like they were victims to so many things that now you know fast forward present day we kind of look at them we're like ah shit yeah like we we actually do want healthy fats. We do want things like olive oil and avocado and salmon and whole eggs in our diet on a regular basis, right? Uh, oh shit, like actually you know, for so many people, because uh, my personal story was, and and I promise I'll keep this short. I'm, I'm always a lengthy guest. So we're, we're always here to talk. Um, but you know, my personal experience was I actually went on the pill when I was 16 years old and I just went on it because I had really bad acne and I had really bad periods. So like I was a person that, I would miss school. I'm sidelined. Catch me on the couch. Like, you know, call 911. Like your girl ain't getting off the couch because my, you know, my stomach and uh, my vagina hurt. And so 
I took hormonal birth control all the way up until I was 28 years old. I, like I wasn't seeing anybody. It wasn't for, you know, baby prevention or anything like that. Like it, it was literally just because at 16 years old, I knew that I had really bad acne. I had really bad pizza face, couldn't hang. Um, and same thing, you know, I, I didn't want to have periods because they fucking suck. And so, you know, fast forward at 28 years old, I was actually talking uh, with a colleague that he actually worked in a clinic that would do, you know, hormone testing and all this stuff. And so, you know, at the time that was like, right when I started on my journey of like, okay, we're going to figure out how to make everything better. And we're going to stop exercising like an asshole. And we're going to start eating food and do all this stuff. And so at whatever point I was like doing all the things and doing all the right things, but still not seeing progress, you know, we, we had a conversation cause he reached out and he was like, Hey, like, I don't know if you know, but this is just, you know, something to consider uh, something to take home and get in bed with, but you might not realize that for some people taking hormonal birth control can actually change your thyroid function and you know your ability to basically see optimal thyroid values. And so that's the thing is like during that time span of basically like 18 years old to 28 years old, no matter how much thyroid med I took, no matter you know all the things, I still like never saw good thyroid values. And so uh, again, I wasn't seeing anybody at the time. So I was like, cool, YOLO, this seems like a legit theory to test. And so um, I got off hormonal birth control and the number of things that I lived with and dealt with every single day in my life that I didn't realize was a result of taking hormonal birth control shattered my world because it was like here I was in college I was prescribed anxiety medication depression medication like it was always just like super uh you know having mood swings again just struggling with my my weight all of these things and quite literally within months of getting off the pill stopped having anxiety stopped dealing with depression and mood swings you know all of this stuff and so same thing a couple months after getting off the pill, I actually saw perfect thyroid values for the first, you know, for the first time in my life here at 28. Um, and so I say all that very long winded, because again, you know, it's like, you, there is not a right or wrong uh, morality associated with, with taking the pill or with taking hormonal birth control. That's such an individual decision, you have to decide what's right for you and your body. But for so many women, we don't actually get the consent side of things of, Hey, by the way, just know that if you take this thing, these are the side effects or these are the things that, you know, we need to look out for or could be, you know, a byproduct of taking this thing, right? So many women, we miss the actual understanding of our body also like again here I was at 28 years old a couple of my favorite like period and hormone books that I think that every woman and every mentoring individual should read uh there's the period repair manual by Dr. Laura Bryden uh beyond the pill by Jolene Brighton and I will say you know with a disclaimer and I feel this way about any sort of like thyroid or hormone book in general take what you need and like leave what you don't like sometimes I'll see nutrition stuff and like don't super love that but again you know it's like no matter what so many people here I was again at 28 years old been in and out of numerous relationships and I'm getting woke on the fact of like oh shit turns out we can actually only get pregnant five to six days a month what what <laughs> like I like I thought that was like every day is a free-for-all like every day you know might, might have to you know worry about that right so it's like so many women same thing we don't get that discussion on hey if you want to take hormonal birth control rad 
but like, again, there's no discussion about potential side effects or things we might experience. There's definitely no feedback in terms of uh, many women, myself included. It's like when I transitioned off of the pill, I was suddenly struggling with all of these things because again, it's like, well, if we suppress hormones down to zero, um, I, you know, it was like post, uh, post when I got the pill, it was like, well, here I was struggling with super bad acne and super oily skin. Well, it was related to again, you know, we suppress all these hormones, and then they have to go up before they settle out. Um, But yeah, you know, it's like same thing, there was no discussion from the doctor of like, hey, by the way, when you stop taking this, here's some things to also know, or like, here's an advanced heads up, right? Or again, God bless, like having the ability of like, Oh, also, here's things you could do to support your body if, if you decide to get off the pill. Um, there just wasn't any of that dialogue. And so I think that's um, such a missing part for so many people is, again, we all have hormones and nobody tells us how to, you know, how to take care of them, how, you know, how to kind of operate around all those things. So um, just so, so important, again, like to circle back, that was an awesome tangent, you know, but, you know, again, it's like with thyroid stuff, just understand if your thyroid stuff isn't great right now, it's going to be an uphill battle if you're trying to keep going further down the road to like change body comp and lose weight and stuff like that. Uh, so again, you know, having a doctor that you really, really love and trust as well as, you know, again, I think that even if it's not a long-term thing, I think it's so, so beneficial to work with a nutrition coach, start figuring things out and so on. Yeah. I think that at the end of the day, like this boils down to educate yourself, you know, and I think that's why we do what we do. And that's why um, I'm glad I had you on to talk about this topic because we haven't dove in, into this. And um, unfortunately, we don't have enough time to dive into some of the other stuff that we <laughs> want to talk about. But I am glad we were able to dive deep into this. And uh, I appreciate the the tangents and the rants, because I think a lot of people need to hear this and they need to know how complex it can be and how individual it can be and how you just got to do your research. So um, go find a doctor if you need to go do read the books, do the research, listen to podcasts like this, like go the extra mile to learn more about your body because it is a lot. So um, thank you for for diving into that. And, and obviously, thank you for your time. And, and um, we're going to have to do a part two to dive a little bit deeper into some of these training aspects because I have a, a lot that I think um, we can go into with that. Uh, but for the people listening, for more content like this, as well as what you offer in your business and all that kind of stuff, like where can everybody find the rest of your content and uh, your website, Instagram, all that kind of stuff? So as long as you remember my name, <clears throat> excuse me, you're good to go. So Lori Christine King is going to be my Instagram, YouTube, Paragon Training Methods is our, <clears throat> excuse me, our online training platform. So if you're interested in basically evidence-based programs, they take uh, 60 to 75 minutes a day. We have at-home programs. We have full gym programs. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> that like definitely would turn the wrong pipe. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to find me, Lori Christine King, um, is the way to go, especially on my website. Everything is super duper linked out. But every single day, Instagram going to be posting free educational content on all things nutrition and fitness, healthy lifestyle. Love it. We'll link all those in the description for everybody. And uh, once again, thank you for for finally coming on and making this happen. <laughs> thank you. You're about to have like LCK part two, three, and four. <laughs> <laughs>